Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No I just focused on the things that I love versus the thing that they were telling me that I wasn't good at. And mm. you know, that was absolutely phenomenal because I wasn't expecting that. My heart was broken for him, but he was like, I'm just going to focus on the things that I love. And focus on that and kind of live in that space. Yeah. And that was cool for me. And, you know, some people are like, well, does he want to get better? What is he going to do? First of all, I'm just happy that he's not blaming anybody else. Right. And he's not mad and all this other stuff. So that's the first things first. Right attitude. You approach it right. The rest of the stuff we're going to be instilling. We're going to be working on running. We're going to be working on getting a little bit more competitive. I signed them up for some different classes. And so those things are happening, but having the right attitude is huge. Welcome to the Share the Wealth Show, where minority professionals can learn to escape the racial wealth gap and catapult themselves into abundance. Your host, Nicole Pendergrass, grew her net worth from being negative to multiple six figures. Join her on her investigative mission to expose secret strategies of the wealthy so we can all have the tools needed to build the life and legacy we were created to possess. Now it's time for the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of the Share the Wealth Show. This is the show where we discuss strategies on how to grow, build, and protect minority wealth. And Today, we're going to do something a little different. We actually have a ton of great episodes in our archives. Since the inception of the show, I've had the pleasure of talking to so many phenomenal people, and I want their information and the strategies and tips and mindset that they have to be shared with the world, and I don't want it to be buried in the past, right? So today is Flashback Friday Featured Edition. And I hope you enjoy the message from one of our previous guests because it's really so impactful and you need to take a listen. We'll see you next time for our regularly scheduled episodes, but stay tuned for today. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Share the Wealth Show. I am your host, Nicole Pendergrass. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. James Bryant. We covered a wealth of information. We talked about his money mindset, being income rich, but cash poor, and the different tools and vehicles he used to be able to get rid of debt and start building wealth and the strategies behind that. We also touched on his kids and how they have a mindset that is phenomenal. And really adults can take that and transition and feature their goals in a positive light. 
And so don't let disappointment stop you from taking that next step or to focus on the things that are really going to make you happy that you want to be good at. So there was just so much and it's all entwined together. Dr. James Bryant, if you don't know who he is, is the founder of Engineering Your Success, LLC, a boutique leadership training and peak performance coaching firm designed to help engineers win in business and in life. Dr. Bryant believes that you can build a business of your dreams and have a life that you absolutely love. He has over 20 years of experience leading teams and organizations in the private and public sectors and is the host of Engineering Your Success podcast. Dr. Bryant is a professional engineer, certified John Maxwell leadership speaker, a trainer and a coach. And most importantly, he is a loving husband and father. So, On the real estate side, he's actually invested in real estate. He's an alumni of the initial Myers Methods of Multifamily Real Estate Investing Course. And also he uses joint ventures as an ownership stake in four multifamily properties that have a total of over 85 units. And that's just part of his wealth building strategy. And like I said, he did use a bunch of other vehicles within his journey. So you want to stay tuned and listen to what those are. So without further ado, here's the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Share the Wealth Show. And today, you heard a little bit about his bio, but we have with us James Bryant, the man, the myth, the legend, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. Nicole, how are you doing? Good. How are you? And thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate that. I'm doing great. This was the highlight of my day. I've been looking forward to this interview (laughs) all day. I'm so excited that you asked me to come and join you and to talk about sharing the wealth. It's an absolute pleasure and an honor for me to be here. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Okay, so let's just jump in. I gave a high level overview of your bio, but and your journey and all the different things that you've experienced What was one of the big highlights or aha moments, paradigm shifts, whatever you want to call it, that kind of changed the trajectory of your journey into leading you to what you're doing today? You know, I would say getting to the point where I didn't have to, I realized that I didn't have to do it all myself and that going it alone is a slow strategy. It could be a slow strategy towards wealth, but it could also be a slow strategy towards death. Because you're doing so much and you're not empowering other people or building a team or finding like-minded people that can help carry the mission that you have. So for me, it's doing well while doing good, wanting to make sure that the money that I have is invested in projects where people are actually, they care for the tenants, they care for the neighborhood, and they're not trying to be slumlords. So, but before we dig into that, You know, we'll talk about way, way back when, you know, kind of growing up, not even growing up. I won't go back that far, but I'll go to early on in our marriage. So early on in our marriage, I would call, I would say that we were income rich, but cash poor. Oh, let me just clarify. In James and his wife's marriage, me and James are not married. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't, just the way it sounded, I was like, in our marriage. And I'm like, mm, maybe we should clarify yeah. that. Not our marriage, but, <laughs> I, you know, my wife's pictures, for those of you watching the video, is behind me with my kids and family. And so, yes, in my marriage, my wife and I, we were, I would say, income rich but cash poor. We had nice incomes, nice jobs. We were making good money. We, you know, purchased a home but we were actually just cash strapped. 
I mean, all the money was coming in and it was going to pay the bills. And this wasn't a, an issue of us really trying to live beyond our means. It was just tough very early on. We had to make some really tough decisions. And the number one decision was really to see get out of debt. And so we worked very hard to get out of debt from, you know, having lots of credit card debt to doing credit card balance transfers, switching money around from place to place and say, okay, we're going to put this money over here because they're charging zero interest right now. And then we're going to pay this one off. And then before this interest comes due, we're going to take that and shift it back over. So we played this shell game for a few years, working and whittling down our debt. My wife used to also play the harp. And so she had harp jobs on the weekends. And so we were hustling, doing what we needed to do to pay down debt. And then we slowly but surely began to build a nice cast position. One of the things that both of us were really keen on, even while we're paying off debt, we were contributing to our retirement accounts. So we were fully funding our retirement accounts at the time. You know, then we started having kids and, oh, we got to pay for, you know, we need to save for college and we need to save for this. So we had this long journey of just really trying to figure that out. I can remember us using Microsoft money. For those of you that don't may not remember, it used to be kind of Microsoft's answer to like Quicken and some of the other money management tools. But the great thing about Microsoft money at the time is it had a cash flow projection function. So we would have all our bills in there. We would have our income coming in. And then every month we would look at the projection. So that really helped us to see if we have some recurring bills or some things that are coming up six months from now. If it went from green to red, we knew we had a problem (laughs) and we had to do something different. So we watched that really, really closely. And then our focus started to be on paying off our mortgage. So we were aggressively paying off our mortgage. Nicole, now you know there are some people that are like, why are you going to pay off your mortgage? It's cheap money. You should take that money and invest it here and invest it there. But there's a psychological kind of impact on reducing your debt and a sense of feeling safe and secure. And so we were rolling down that path. So I would have different people that would talk to me about different investment options, you know, whether it was a single family or multifamily, but none of those things really appealed to me because whatever it was had to draw me away from the allure of paying down my debt. And then that's where my good friend and now business partner, Jerome Myers, comes in and he says, hey, I'm thinking about investing in apartment complexes. Really? You're thinking about investing in apartment complexes? Tell me a little bit about it. So he began to share, you know, kind of the memorandums and different things that he was looking at. And we decided that, hey, you know what? I think I this sounds good because I think this will allow me to build generational wealth. It will help me make an impact in the community that was important to me. And that's where the whole concept of doing well while doing good kind of came into play and looking through the projects and different things that he was presenting to me. So eventually I started investing with him. We've done four deals, mostly joint ventures, and I've been a main partner in all of those deals. And obviously we moved past as a my wife and I, We've moved past the income rich and cash poor because we had to have some cash to actually 
Invest in invest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Listen, I know you've been digging in, studying everything you can, listening to all the podcasts, reading all the books, even going to meetups. You basically have a degree from YouTube University, right? But you still feel stuck. You don't know how to actually implement what you've learned. You're nervous about taking the next step. So I've decided to start the Microfamily Investing Accelerator. This is a mentorship program where I personally guide you through my five proprietary pillars so you can learn how to buy your first commercial multifamily property and scale while not biting off more than you can chew by focusing on five to 20 units. That's what I call microfamily. And so you can also get hands-on guidance from an experienced microfamily investor who's been right where you are. And so you can also create the cash flow needed to give you freedom and options to build the abundant life that you were destined to live. So I'll be limiting the first cohort because they'll have direct access to me and I will be heavily invested in their success. If you're ready to grab 2023 by the horns, schedule a free discovery call with me today. The link is in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. All right. So there was a lot there and so many. That's why I stopped talking. I want to give you some time to interject. Yes. Okay. Did you actually finish paying off your house before you ended up investing with Jerome? No, no. No. We still have. How close did you get? We got pretty close and we're still moving even closer. I think at the time we may have had maybe $150,000, $180,000 left mm-hmm. on our house. Mm-hmm. And this was five years ago Okay, when we started investing in multifamily properties. Okay, We're still aggressive, but the last I've checked, I think we owe about $88,000 okay. right now. So, so if you had $100,000, would you invest it in a multifamily deal or would you pay off your mortgage? Right now? Yeah, right now. Am I investing with you? Hey, I'm saying who you invested with. You, in the future, you better save that $100,000. Yeah. Forget that mortgage. Well, no. It really depends on the project. It really depends on the person. I think you really have to know your partners. Yeah. And you really have to get to know your partners to make sure that your values align. What you don't want to do is to say that, hey, I want my money to be on mission. And you have someone else who is driving everything and all they're thinking about is squeezing the absolute maximum amount of profit that they can get. I am not against making a profit, but I do think that when you're looking at some of these multifamily properties, that if you look at your tenants to some degree as your partner, from the standpoint of they're the ones that are, you know, you want them to continue to pay the rent. You want them actually to help to keep up your property. You don't want them to damage your property. So the better situations that you can have and the better you can even subconsciously treat them, I think the better off you're going to be in the long run. Yeah. And you might have a few hiccups here and there because some tenants just don't care. Yes. But just keep your composure. Stay, you know, they're humans. They're renting. Like a lot of us have rented before. At least I'm in New York City. So, you know, mm-hmm. most people rent. I've been a, was a renter for years. I'm renting now, actually. Like I mm-hmm. moved out of the house that I bought. So you just have to, however you want treat people to treat you, just make sure you're treating people in, yes. in like manner, even if it's not reciprocated, because that will come back to you and to them. Yes. You know? Yeah. But if I had $100,000, you know, I probably would. I can tell you exactly what I would do. I would pay off the mortgage and then use the line of credit to invest in whatever the project is if I found that project worthy of my money and my time. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. 
Because I was going to ask about that too. Like having, what were your thoughts on debt equity? Yeah, I've used lines of credit to purchase or to participate in a few of the multifamily deals that we've had. So part of it has been lines of credit. Of course, now we've paid those lines of credit down. We're not carrying any debt on any of the multifamily projects that we're part of. We've also tapped into our retirement account to kind of borrow funds against the retirement account. People are like, why would you do that? The way it was set up at the time, I was able to borrow like $50,000 or like one and a half percent. It was something really, yeah, it was something really, really (laughs) low. And I looked at it and was like, well, yeah, I can invest in a property that will give me X percent return while this money is only costing me 1%. Mm, yeah, I think I'll do that. Yeah, I would do that too. 1%, yeah. like the interest rates now are as low as they, I mean, they're creeping up a little bit. But a few years ago, I borrowed from my 403B and my mm-hmm. interest rate wasn't 1%. And yeah. interest rates are supposed to be low then, you know, like yeah. I was still paying 5 or 6%. Yeah, it was pretty interesting the way they, they set it up. They would shift money away from some of the stock funds and put it into a temporary kind of annuity fund, but the annuity was paying, you know, three or 4%. So the loan was costing me 3%. So I was, no, the loan was costed. If the loan was costing 5%, the annuity was paying off 4%. So the really net cost to me for borrowing that money was 1%. Mm, Okay. That definitely makes sense. All right. And you know what? I had another line of questioning to go along with that, but I can't remember. So I'm going to shift gears because I don't remember what that was. But going back to that beginning where Mm -hmm. you said you were playing, you know, the shell game with all these credit cards. How intensive was that? Because that sounds like a headache. I don't know how I would keep up with just all that going back and forth of rigmarole, like just transferring Listen, like how did you guys keep you, up for a few years? When you have goals, you will do what you need to do to achieve your goals. Yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line. It was having our eye on the prize. Once we got locked in on, hey, we need to pay down our debt. We need to get rid of this credit card debt. We need to start focusing on our future and what we want to do. We need to build up a cash position so that we can go do X, whatever that X is, whether it's buy a car or go and invest in real estate or some other kind of investment. Once those goals were pretty clear, then my wife and I, we were locked in. And it was my responsibility to kind of juggle all of that. And so we would have monthly meetings. And again, the software we were using at the time was great because we had that cash flow projection. So all we really, once you put everything in and you have the reminders letting you know, hey, this balance is going to come due at this time. So you need to start making a shift. Once you have that in, it's pretty simple to kind of follow that through. But being able to project your cash flow is huge. I cannot say how huge that is, both just from fiscal policy, but also psychologically, because again, we would look at that spreadsheet. We would look at the graph. And if the graph started going in the red, that meant that, hey, Three months from now, if we keep the same trajectory that we're on right now, we're going to be at a deficit. So we need to start making changes now. Let's take a harder look at our budget. Let's take a harder look at how we're spending money to see what do we need to tweak? What do we need to change? What do we need to drop? What absolutely do we need to do to be able to stay on the other side 
of the red, to be able to stay in the black. And, you know, through all of the, you know, my wife, very early on, she wanted to be able to provide finances and resources to our parents. So her mother is in her mid 80s. My mother is in her mid 70s. But, you know, early on in our marriage, this was a goal that my wife had. And kind of the agreement that we had is that we needed to get out of debt other than our house. We need to get out of debt. We needed to have our finances in order. And once we get to that point, we would then be able to invest and give back to our mothers. And so it wasn't just about the investing to build wealth, but it was also being able to get some sense of financial freedom that would allow us to give back to those people that gave so much to us. Well, yeah, and no, it's definitely how I started my journey too with the mindset of, I didn't, I wanted to retire my mom. I didn't want her to have to work until forever. It real estate took much longer than I thought. So that didn't happen, (laughs) but she actually fronted some money for me to get started in my real estate journey with like the first course I ever enrolled in. And so now I'm finally at the point where I'm right on the cusp of being able to pay her back with plus interest. And mm-hmm. she's just so excited because now I like have like now I'm in multifamily and I have deal flow and I'm looking at things. And now she's like, oh, you know, I'm telling her to invest that some of that money. And so no parents that she is counting every dollar of that money. She's like, all right, I think I'm going to put 19,000 into the investment, not 20, because I need that extra thousand to do this and that or whatever it is. But she's slicing that thing up like a bad boy. (laughs) But it's good because you want to, I mean, you want to be able to bless your mom in that way. I mean, it it makes me feel good as, you know, a son to be able to do that for my mom, to be able to pay her bills, to be able to, you know, if she calls and says she needs something and to be in a position to be able to provide it. I mean, because let's face it, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. Yeah. And so that was really important to my wife. And because of that, that was one of our goals. One of our financial goals was being in a position to give back to our parents. We've always been really big givers in terms of to our church and to, you know, the community. So that was always part of, that was baked into our financial plan. Even when we were cash rich, I mean, cash poor, income rich, we still (laughs) were giving in doing the things that we believe that we were supposed to do. Okay. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I actually love how your entire journey is interwoven with you getting out of debt and your financial journey was all still based around giving back and helping other people as well along the way. And so it wasn't always just about getting out of debt or having more money or whatever. It was about who can you impact in while you're doing that journey yourself. Yes. And, you know, it's kind of having kind of a different take on when, and that's, you know, what's important now. So at that time, you know, what's important now, it's important for us to focus on getting out of debt, but we still need to give back. We still need to do some other things, but those things, you know, I guess just like success is a journey and it shifts how we view and use money and leverage money begins to grow as we grow. Yeah. Okay. In this journey so far, you've talked about a lot of different vehicles and mindsets and strategies that you've used to kind of get from being out of debt into investing and where you get and pull capital from and how you grow that. So you've used credit cards and interest rates, promos, bouncing those around to pay Mm -hmm. off some debt. And then you've used home equity lines, you said, to invest in some deals. 
And you've also borrowed from your 403k or 401k to Mm -hmm. invest in deals as well, because you were using that interest arbitrage, actually the HELOC and the loan from your retirement are both about interest arbitrage, like investing that in something that's going to give you more return, more percentage back than you're paying out. Mm -hmm. Is there, are there strategies that you've used or thought about using or heard that you may want to implement when it comes to either investing or growing that pot so that you can maybe like amplify it. I don't know what your legacy plan is for, you know, your children and things Mm -hmm. like that, but I'm sure you are, are you still in like a growth strategy or are you more in a preservation of capital mindset? So those are two different ways that people will approach investing. Yeah. I think I'm always going to be, well, not always right now, still a growth, still a growth strategy, but it's really being, I'm very selective in the projects that I'm involved in. And so, you know, in the future, I may do, you know, maybe be involved in some syndications doing something passive because I'm active in the deals that we're a part of now, uh, part of the joint ventures. And so I may look to do something passively in the future. I know a lot of people talk about infinite banking and using insurance policies to build up a cash position. And they use that for investing in businesses and investing in their real estate. That's not a strategy that we've used to date, but it may be something that we look at in the future. Okay. Do you have policies now? You know, we did the old school, you know, what some people will tell you to do, buy term and invest the rest. We actually bought term and we literally invested the rest, which is how we were able to make the investments and pay off all of the other debts that we've had on those investments. So, you know, like I said, using the HELOC, using the 401k, all of those things have been, other than our primary mortgage, all debt that we've used to invest in properties have been paid back. Okay, cool. Now, actually, with you using the loan from your 401k, why did you decide to do that instead of roll that over into self-directed? Well, you know, I'm still working a W-2. So I have the W-2. Okay. So I'm doing that. I'm also, you know, running Engineer Your Success LLC, the boutique leadership training and peak performance coaching firm where we help engineers win at work and at home. So we're doing that. And it just, the money's still sitting there in my W-2s plan. Yeah. And so I used the levers that I was able to pull to get the resources needed to invest in the projects we wanted to invest in. Yeah, that makes sense. I always forget about that. Like, uh, sometimes you can't just, because I pulled my money out with the Jobs Act because Mm -hmm. I wanted to, was that Jobs? No, that was CARES, with the CARES Act. So I I pulled my money out from there. And so now I'm just automatically like, oh, why did you just pull your money out? Because I forget that that kind of (laughs) ended. So if you didn't do it then, it's a little too late. Yep. Okay. Now, actually, when it comes to this journey that you've been on and all the things and what you've been doing, you're still growing and you're still active. I see some posts that you put out about your son and his mindset is kind of super on point. And, (laughs) you know, like, how do you instill that? Is that part of the bigger plan? What if he doesn't want to do real estate or whatever else you're doing? If he doesn't want to, you know, pick up your better for you and your other businesses, how do you kind of plan to pass on some either financial legacy to him or just knowledge or what's your basic like legacy plan for your kids? So we have two kids. They're uh, 13 and 14. Both are great kids. Love being a dad and a husband. And 
you know, what I'm learning is your kids see who you are, not who you project to be. Mm. And they begin to follow your cues. So if you're dishonest, don't be fooled. Your kids are going to follow you in that dishonesty in terms of telling what, you know, saying whatever and doing whatever. They're going to mimic the behavior that they see. And so I'm really super proud of my kids and you're right, their mindset. There are a couple different, you know, stories that posts that have been going on. One was my oldest son called me one day in the middle of school and he's like, hey, dad, what's up? I was like, hey, yeah, I'm thinking something must be wrong. Something's going on at school. Do I have to go pick him up? You know what's happening? Yeah. And he says, I just called to say thank you. So now I'm really concerned because it's, <laughs> it's a school day. My son is calling me and he's saying thank you. And I'm like, I'm looking at the phone and I'm like, is everything okay? He says, yes, I got my grade back on my one minute pitch project. Thank you for helping me develop that one minute pitch and practice it. It really worked. I appreciate it. And he said, that's all I wanted to tell you. Goodbye. Love you. And I was like, wow. So that really, you know, kind of touched me is that I try to really structure my life to be fully present and involved in my family. And so being here, being involved, being able to have an impact, that's the legacy that I want to leave is being present with them, right? Because I can leave them money, I can leave them resources, but if I don't instill a know-how and if I don't instill the fact that they're important enough for me to be physically and mentally present with them, I think that's part of the legacy. So my younger son, and this is the post I just, I think earlier this week, he tried out for middle school track. He didn't make it. He sent me a text message. You know, I didn't make it. My heart was broken. I'm like, oh my God, you know, how is he going to be? So he asked me to come pick him up. I go to pick him up. I'm like, hey, you know, Nate, how's it going? And he's like, you know, I'm okay. I was like, no, let's talk about it. How are you feeling? He's like, well, I'm disappointed. I was like, okay. It was like, and he says, well, so I said, what did the coach say? What did they say? He said, well, dad, once they started, say they said you have a good attitude, but they want you to, she said, once it was like, once they started talking and I knew I wasn't going to be on the team, I just checked out and my mind went to running cross country at the YMCA or going out with you running in the park and having fun. And I just focused on the things that I love versus the thing that they were telling me that I wasn't good at. And mm. you know, that was absolutely phenomenal because I wasn't expecting that. My heart was broken for him, but he was like, I'm just going to focus on the things that I love and focus on that and kind of live in that space. Yeah. And that was cool for me. And you know, some people are like, well, does he want to get better? Or what is he going to do? First of all, I'm just happy that he's not blaming anybody else. Right. And he's not mad and all this other stuff. So that's the first things first, right attitude, you approach it right. The rest of the stuff we're going to be instilling. We're going to be working on running. We're going to be working on getting a little bit more competitive. I signed them up for some different classes. And so those things are happening, but having the right attitude is huge. Yeah. And you know what? His mindset, that's going to take him very far in the future because there's Mm -hmm. a lot of adults who don't take that type of 
framing of the situation. Like they are not going to say, oh, well, I'm not going to focus on what I'm not good at. I'm going to focus on what I love because then guess what? If he just focuses on loving running and running in whatever other situation he can, he's just going to get better at it and do it naturally because he just likes doing it regardless of what other people are telling him Yep. and taking accountability for it. You know, that's huge. You know, that's something that took me even a while to think about and to realize at 13, I would not have been there. No, definitely wasn't even thinking about that. I'm, I'm jealous of my friend who got the role over me. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I say, yep. it just as good. You know what's going yep. on. So I definitely yep. wasn't there. Oh, no, not even I sung it just as good. I sung it better than so and so. I don't even know. I don't even know what they were thinking. Did they hear the same thing that I heard? So, yeah, that's where I would have been. I'd have been right there with you. Oh, no, definitely there. Wait, wait, don't go yet. Have you been looking for a way to get started in real estate investing, but you just don't know how? You need the Launchpad. It's brought to you by my company, Norvest Holdings. And the Launchpad is a free guide with a ton of resources I've compiled to help you invest into your first real estate syndication. It includes terminology, book resources, video explanations, all the information that you need. Don't know what a syndication is? I got you covered. How to find a good operator. How to even tell if a deal is good or not without having to know how to underwrite it all. It's all in there. The Launchpad is designed to help launch you into the next stage of your investing career and get you invested into your first multifamily syndication as a passive investor, meaning you can be a landlord and own a piece of a large apartment building, but still go about your day-to-day life without having to stop and learn every single detail about what's under the hood and how it all works. The link to the guide is in the show notes. Make sure you sign up today. Again, this is a free resource and guide. And if you have any questions at all, please feel free to reach out to me. Now let's finish up the show. Talking about your sons wanting to, I guess, be focused on positive and something that he's really good at kind of leads me into this next question. These are the questions that we ask every guest, right? Uh Uh-oh. So this one is Warren Buffett said, diversification is a protection against ignorance. So I take that to mean that, you know, People diversify because they don't really know what they're doing, which I think leads back, kind of leads back to what your son's statement, like he's going to focus on what he loves. So he's going to focus on that one thing and get really good at it. But diversification, ignorance, like what is your take on that statement? That is a interesting statement. I am going to think about it from the standpoint of marketing. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing something, you're marketing. What do they tell you to do? Do they tell you to diversify? No, they tell you to niche down. Mm. Why? Because when you begin to niche down and you begin to speak to your particular audience, you will broaden your impact because you become much more knowledgeable about that thing, about those issues, about those people. And I would say, you know, diversification in finances, I get it. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. You want to make sure you have different streams of income. So, you know, diversification in and of itself is not a bad thing. When you talk about people that are looking for financial freedom, they want different streams of income. If you're looking at real estate, everybody, you're not just going to buy one multifamily property. You're going to buy several multifamily properties. You're diversifying where your income is coming from, even if it's coming from within that class. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really beginning to niche down and see which is it going to be stocks Is it going to be crypto? 
Is it going to be real estate? What's going to be your thing? Because you can only be an expert at so many things. And so even if you're looking to generate income from other areas, then which one are you going to be the expert in? Which one are people going to look to you to be the authority to speak about, to talk about when it comes to investing and moving forward? I love that. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. You can't be an expert in everything. So Mm-mm. pick the thing and get good at it and know what you're doing. And that way you you won't lose all the eggs that are in that basket. Yeah. And then you can align yourself and you surround yourself with people that are experts in those other areas or people that you know in your network that may provide other opportunities for you. Yeah, exactly. Because you just never know. When you get started on one particular journey or path, the other people who are in that same realm are going to start flocking to you. They're going to be attracted to you because you're being very specific. Mm-hmm. Okay. Second question. You played Monopoly before? I'm sure. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm waiting for somebody to tell me no. No one has yet. But <laughs> I, I don't want to assume. So in Monopoly, are you buying Boardwalk or Baltic Ave and why? You know what I'm thinking? I know where Boardwalk is at. I don't even know where Baltic Ave is Baltic at. is. So they're right next to each other on the other side of the go. So, but Oh, Baltic, Baltic is on Avenue's yeah. on the low. I'm buying Boardwalk. <laughs> okay, I'm why? Boardwalk. Because Boardwalk, you know, if someone lands on Boardwalk after I have built up the property, that has a quicker chance to end the game. Very true. Very strategic thought process. And, okay. then, and if I buy Boardwalk and spend all my money and I lose, then I stop playing the game earlier and I can go do something else or just watch <laughs> the rest of the family do it. So... <laughs> <laughs> that is a great way to think about it, actually. You know, if I'm not good at it, at least I lose my shirt early and I go focus yeah. on something else. Yeah. You lose all the eggs in that basket. Be an expert in another area. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So that's a wrap. You know, like I, I love, thank you for being with us today. And how can listeners get a hold of you if they want to talk, if they want to network, if they want to be involved with or listen to your podcast? Let us know how to find that. Yeah, yo, I'm sure you're going to include a link to the podcast in the show notes, but the yeah. podcast is Engineer Your Success with Dr. James Bryant. You'll see my smiling face there. We provide tools, tips, and techniques to help you win at work and at home. We really talk a lot of issues about work-life balance, expanding your ability to communicate and to be an effective leader. Even though it is marketed and targeted towards engineers. There are several people that are not engineers that are listeners of the podcast. If you look at the reviews on Apple, that's what they'll say. They'll say, well, you know, this is not just for engineers. You'll be able to get some things that can help you move forward in your journey. And I would say the best place to connect with me is going to be on LinkedIn. And so you can look for engineer your success with Dr. James Bryant on LinkedIn. That page will come up, but you can just look for James Bryant. That should come up as well. Great. And we'll put all, you're right. We'll put all those links in the show notes. We'll put the link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes as well. So people can reach out and talk to you more about doing well while doing good and whatever else they need to reach out about. But thank you again, Dr. James Bryant for joining us today and sharing all your journey, your experience and everything that you've been through and giving people a different mindset about how to approach Building wealth and money is not just about the money. It's what you can do with it. Yes. All right. Thanks a lot, Nicole. Much success to you. Thank you. Did you love this episode of Share the Wealth Show? 
Be sure to connect with Nicole by following her on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook. If you picked up any of the gems that were dropped by today's guest, make sure you not only put them in your bag, but if you know of someone who would benefit from this information, don't keep it to yourself. Share the wealth and make sure to leave us a rating and review. We'll see you for next week's episode. Subscribe so you'll be notified. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.